I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier. Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Billy Boar. <laughs> and we're just two uh, soldiers in the army of the Lord that sometimes shoots its own wounded, but uh, you know, it, it happens. Does, it does happen, but we always, we, uh, we're careful. We're careful when we aim, brother. <laughs> You're so fired up. I am fired up. See, this is my roots. This is my, this is Hillbilly Soul Music. This is also Friday Night Lights. Uh, it is Friday Night Lights, and uh, welcome everybody on uh, at the beginning of Shabbat, it's still – well, it's raining here in uh, in the bunker. Well, not in the bunker, but outside of the bunker. But happy uh, – close to the beginning of Sabbath to our Jewish brothers and sisters and to the rest of you. It's the weekend. Exactly. And uh, we are excited. Uh, we just uh, – well, first off, we also want to wish happy birthday to Mackenzie Coons, Dustin's oh, right. wife. Our, uh, wonderful the, person. The magic man, the magic man's wife. He is he is a magician and yeah. uh, uh, a guy that, in the podcasting world, is good on form and content. So. Yeah, so so he's a great guy. Yeah, great guy, very skilled, and has helped us continue to try to improve the way we sound, which is you know, not easy. <laughs> no, it's not. So, and also, can I just can I do shameless plugs or no? No, absolutely. You can do anything shameless you want to. I'll close my, I'm going to close my eyes, though, while you do it. <laughs> so I, I'm doing a, a, a new interview podcast um, called Give and Take, which I kind of thought about doing and sort of stopped because it wasn't the right time. And I put the Mockingcast on hiatus for a few weeks as it, most of Mockingbird's energies are directed toward the conference, which is going to be wonderful. And it, there's, a great, there's great stuff going on. But uh, I'm launching, uh, and and that will be on air back again soon, and so stay tuned. But uh, I'm doing a podcast called Give and Take, which are, I'm going to do exclusive focus on long form interviews, and we we have booked some great guests, including Rob Bell, Melissa Phoebos, Kelly Whitaker. So it's going to be a great podcast, and. Bill and I are going to be doing uh, a new thing called it's our is our Bulgashista Bulgashista yeah it's it's our Bulgashista episode so in addition to Friday Night Lights we're going to have a few people on uh, it won't be sort of it won't be an interview it will just be like either remotely or live they come into the bunker and bullshit with us or have conversation or have conversation yeah right yeah so we're looking forward to and that. the first one I think will be Matt Johnson. Who's a, a new author and a listener? And That's great. And he, and he's he, agreed to be a victim. He wants to be a part of this. Uh, yeah. Well, there's room at the bunker for you. Which also, uh, the fact that he wants to be a part of it, and the fact that uh, Obamacare could have limited future, get your mental health stuff checked out. You know, because if you if you want to volunteer with us, you're, you know. Well, I was a psychology major, and uh, so I have a few rubrics that I'll bring you through. But um, so you know, we, we have a we have a uh, pre-cert test, but it's not painless. Did you ever work with rats? I did. Yes, 
I do. I had trained, yeah, behavioral. It was, uh, um, uh, yeah, the behavioral psychology. Were you class. good at it? No, I was not good at it. Um, and uh, I didn't like that part of psychology. But I, you know, and the rat bit me once, and uh, my lab mate uh, prevented me from killing it. <laughs> Because, <laughs> so, well, you know. What well, were you good at in the program? Oh, uh, no, I was good at abnormal psychology and I was good at the crisis. Well, that's why we're friends. Yeah, that's why we're friends. I was, I was really good at group and social psychology. So that was, I'm more that, uh, the pretend science part of psychology, not the neurological stuff. But mm. it was, it was fun, you know, uh, training that thing and, uh, you know, I looked forward to dissecting it afterwards <laughs> after it bit me. <laughs> I took great joy in that. He's an animal lover, everybody. Oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, I, I take seriously the fact that we're at the top of the food chain right now. Exactly. I don't exactly. dislike animals. But if they bite me, all, <laughs> bets are, all bets are off. Yeah. We're different on that policy. Uh, so we threw out to some listeners who po- tagged us in a post about Carl Barton, Billy Graham, and we thought this would be an appropriate Friday night lights absolutely, episode. Absolutely. Largely because we both got weekend plans and it's only a paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this is from um, Benson Shelton and he says Where does Benson come to us from? Where does he- uh, Virginia? Uh, it's a little town and he's a rector. I actually interviewed him before. He's like a martial artist. Episcopal priest. He's a guy that was. Uh, uh, he actually considered becoming a Gnostic Christian. Like, he oh went, right, I remember yeah, that. Now. He's amazing. He's amazing. He's I, I, boy, boy. Thank you for. I didn't know he was a martial arts. So good. We didn't have that. Fight. He's a martial artist. Yeah. He was a Gnostic. He was a Spawn disciple for a, lot, a little while. And Catherine Saunders. All right, wait a minute. Spawn disciple. Spawn. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's worth following. Right into yeah. the river. Well, but that's and that's also that you know that led him to the truth. He kind of was like, you know, uh, this is uh, like not, he, wo- he woke up one day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, Katie Sonderger, who is was one of his seminary teachers at V Virginia Seminary, the Episcopal, well, yeah, I think. Episcopal she is a phenomenal systematician mm-hmm. and uh, actually defended me at a conference once. Uh, wow. Uh, 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 I gave a paper on Barton Islam, and somebody reacted very negatively to it, and she actually said, you're missing the point. So, oh, uh, Katie Sonderger. Nice shout-out shout yeah. to her. Catherine yeah. Sonderger, she's a great theologian. So this comes to us from Benson Shelton. Hello, Benson, and thank you. Got a kick out of this. Kick. Uh, that's funny. He's like, he's well. Right. we should have started with Kung Fu fighting. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. We might do that. At the end. We just wanted you to get psyched up. All right. So if okay, so we Bill needed psych up music. I did. I, we needed, a lot I needed. Maybe we'll conclude with Kung Fu fighting. Right? Yeah, no. Anyway, go ahead. All I'm right. sorry, Vince. Thank you for your question. Go ahead. Got a kick out of this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now, now you're seeing it, right? You're seeing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah you're seeing. Hey, all right, Scott. So this Scott, is. You're too young for this, but for those of you who are my age, Scott, take the pebble from my hand. <laughs> if you can do that, you can go on. Go ahead. That's the Kung Fu show with what's There we go. David Carradine. There we go. By the way, in my neighborhood, we lived out in the country. So we got bored periodically. There was only a few of us. So we actually uh, sent away through for, uh, you know, learn yourself uh, karate and Kung Fu because we were all into that show. And uh, we actually, uh, my neighbor knocked me out (laughs) one time trying, trying to do that. It's the same neighbor who knocked me out when we got boxing gloves. So. 
Um, By the way, Benson also was somebody that like I posted a video on Facebook and I, I post – I go through these spurts about every other day where I post really silly videos. And one was from College Humor or something or 9Gag where it was arguing in a six-minute reconstruction that Danny was really the villain in Karate Kid. <laughs> And actually, like, like, he was the violent one. He provoked. He oh. escalated it. It's sort of like, and so Benson r- responded saying, I, I think it was Benson, watched, showed this to my kid. He was convinced Danny is the villain. So it's a reinterpretation <laughs> of the credit kid. So, oh, my goodness. I, I, <laughs> and this is not getting out of it. So here we go. All right. Take four. You used to be one take, Bill. Now you're four takes four because of Benson Shelton. Yeah, it's <laughs> Saturday, Friday Night Lights. <laughs> Now you're killing me. Friday Night Lights. <laughs> Got to kick it. You know, now you're thinking, thinking about that time. We've talked about this off air, but like the, my favorite moment of the Trump administration was when <laughs> Trump started like, talking. It's, it's only 68 days. Exactly. By, oh, by the way, can I just say before you go, all right, uh, and I just I saw this graph, how many days it took to get a 35% approval rating. <laughs> all right, it took Jimmy Carter two and a half years. Uh, Clinton never had one, even though he was impeached. Obama never had one. Donald Trump, 68 days. It's a record. Uh, somewhere at Warren G. Harding is breathing a sigh of relief. And what do Warren – and also tomorrow's day 69, Warren Harding, Warren G. Donald G. Trump. Well, Warren G. Harding used to be the worst president ever, but uh, he is now the second worst president ever. All right. I'm, I'm but I start. actually think, though, the case for – Are you going to defend Warren G. Harding? No, I was thinking the case for voting for Trump again, just artistically. Like I mean, I mean, you, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, if if you're, you might as well. How many Obama jokes did we ever make? None. No, we didn't. No, no. I, I, By the way, did you see that article that several people said quoted what was George W. Bush? Oh, I saw that. What he said after, after, after the inauguration. That was some I weird actually, shit. I liked it. I liked it on whoever. I, I liked it on uh, Twitter. Yeah. That, no. I, I, My wife, Lindy, said, I, you know, there is something I always liked about George W. Bush. There's a candor there. Yeah. And sincerity. And I knew, I knew uh, some of George W. Bush's best friends in Midland. So, anyway, let's get to ben, Benson. I'm sorry, Benson. All right. I'm going to – here we go. Here we go. Got a kick out of this. Carl Bart, upon seeing Billy Graham preach at St. Jacob Stadium, said, I was quite horrified. He acted like a madman. And what he presented was certainly not the gospel. It was the gospel at gunpoint. He preached the law, not a message to make one happy. He wanted to terrify people. Threats, they always make an impression. People would much rather be terrified than be pleased. The more one heats up hell for them, the more they come running. And that comes to us from Eberhard Bush's biography, which is kind of a it's a great. I mean, it's it is the only real thing of its kind. It's it's by right. Abraham Bush was Bart's last graduate student, and it's sort of like it's not quite like a bio, but it's sort of it. Kind of like it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Bill, you th- so I actually commented. I think, uh, and lots of people commented. Yeah, I saw. I actually saw, watched. This, I looked at the stream of comments. Yeah. So what what do you have to say? Because I think we've both said a lot, and I think you're going to have more to say than me. Well, uh, or something better. First, first of all, okay, uh, we do have to remember that Karl Barth um, had never read the Bible before he became a pastor. 
You had to learn the Bible in order to be a pastor. This is true. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, I think – and Billy Graham did evolve. I, I, I think Billy Graham does – By the way, for people who think I'm like a slavish Barty, which I don't think many people think, but if you do, I didn't bat an eyelash at that. Right. No, you were very – I mean, you agree. It's a point of fact. It's yeah, not it's a point it's of a, fact. It's not a value judgment. Um, no, I, I – again, I, I think there is extreme limitations to – the gospel is presented by Billy Graham. I think it's. I think it's a. Um, uh, it's partially. Well, it's not the whole truth. Okay. Um, Full disclosure: at seventeen, at the Billy Graham rally in Philly, I served as a counselor, and counseled somebody to, I think, a reacceptance of Christ mm-hmm. with his girlfriend or wife. So I'm just saying. Full disclosure: I've served on the staff for Billy Graham Crusade as a volunteer and I had a pleasurable experience. Uh, full disclosure, I was on a volunteer team. I got actually uh, recruited to be on one where one of his associates gave a, a series of talks. I was on the stage for one of them and my friend prevented me from pulling the plug <laughs> uh, because what he said was an abomination. This wasn't Billy Graham, but this is one of his people. And, uh, uh, I literally, because I was where I was sitting, I, re- I I was so I was young and I was so frustrated. I reached for the plug, and my friend goes, "What are you doing?" I'm going, "I'm going to pull it." <laughs> he grabbed my hand. Also, full disclosure: my wife, Linda Jones, is a nurse practitioner. But when she was before she was a nurse practitioner and a nurse in critical care, uh, somebody who she was caring for someone who was an intelligence agent and she could speak Russian. She was also invited. You know, to explore the CIA. So there you go. We've all been recruited for things that we might necessarily not want to work for. Right. Um, now, did you know that? I never told I, you that. I, you never told me that. No, she would be a good CIA officer. She might. So, she also, might be one. Yeah, exactly. I don't know that she's not. Like, I mean, right? She could be. Yeah, could be yeah. like that TV show. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, First of all, I, I think this idea there's you know there's there are distinct streams within Christianity, and one of them, and it certainly has been a large part of the American Christian experience, is that one uh, people are responsible for their either saying yes to no to the gospel of of God in Christ. Uh, number two, uh, there are you know many people believe that. Failure to say yes to Christ has eternal consequences. And so that if you really care about people, you will bring the message with great force and rhetoric in order to have people say yes to the gospel of God. And Billy Graham stands firmly in that tradition. It goes all the way back to Charles Finney, um, who, you know, was probably a heretic uh, in terms of classic Christian orthodoxy. But his methodology, and if you've never, you can still read, he actually had a methodology of how to have a successful revival. Over against Jonathan Edwards, who writes, when he writes his account of the first Great Awakening, it's like basically, I don't know how it happens. And Edwards basically was reading these dense manuscripts. I would argue that And, and by the way, Wesley, the same thing on the other side of the theological out within evangelicalism. Wesley certainly was not a manip- manipulative preacher either. Are we pro-Methodist now? Is that what we're saying? I, I think Wesley is a fascinating figure. I think he might be 
one I mean, we were talking about who are the five greatest thinkers the other day on Christianity uh, off off Mike. I think Wesley makes the top five as practitioners. All right, Ignatius and Wesley, I think are very. I think Wesley's a a Methodist or a cross version of of Ignatius in many ways. Yeah, Bar Campolo made, might have made that list before he became an atheist. But uh, I, yeah, no, yeah, no I think Bar Campolo is on my list before he was an atheist, <laughs> but it's a different list. No, I think though that yeah, Edwards when he's narrating, right? <laughs> I mean, he's reading. I would argue. He reads a I would. I, I would argue it's more. Schleiermacher's Christian faith is easier to read than Edward's sermons. Absolutely. I mean, and those, and I don't know at the style, like you're a historian, not, I'm not, but like the, the proposition and the doctrinal thing, oh, yeah. there, there are all these things and people are getting slain in the spirit and he's explaining why, you know, people are, uh, and he, he, he can't give an account for it. He's like no. this. Now, and the actually, second, the, and, and the same thing happened with Wesley and Whitfield when they would yes. go to the prisons to yep. preach. It was uh, it was in the air in the 18th century for people to have these dramatic responses to fairly uh, – compared to what you see now on television, whether you're talking about the fanatical evangelist or all the uh, hip, hipster pastors who have their own kind of shtick, uh, what Wesley and Edwards were doing – uh, we would not believe anybody would stay awake through it nowadays. Yeah. Whitfield, though, they would. I mean, Ben no, Franklin said yeah, Whitfield yeah, could make Whit- you cry Whit- just by saying Mesopotamia. Whitfield was an orator. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah, and with he, a good theology. I mean, Whitfield. Yeah, I think he was a very solid theologian. But the interesting thing, Bart's. Uh, I mean, first of all, Bart is anti-piety. Yeah. Uh, which and people could that book Abraham Bush wrote a follow-up book after the biography called. Bart and Pietism. Uh, well, he wrote a couple of books, but th- that's a good Bart and the Pietist. And that's... Yeah, and I, I think that's a weakness in his theology. I agree. Yeah. And uh, so there's a sense where the piety of Billy Graham, by the way, Billy Graham, um, God, God bless him, is back in the, in the news because of uh, Pence will not be with a woman alone. He calls it the Billy Graham principle, which Billy Graham would never have, would never have a lunch alone with a female because... Uh, understandably, you know, he was a charismatic figure and he never wanted to put himself in a position where any compromise could happen. Pence, why Pence does it? Eh, I don't know why. Bill and I don't often have lunch because we don't carry cash and we don't know who would pay. But that's our <laughs> principle. We generally, uh, but we, if we, we plan it ahead. If but if do. any of you want to take us out to lunch. We and I do tell you. my wife if Bill and I go out for lunch because I'm like, hey. You have you hold the keys to the bank account. So can I have ten dollars in case we? Yeah. So that's the uh, the Scott Jones Some principle, design, and I'm willing to pay so he doesn't yeah. humiliate himself. But often, anyway, often no. But I think there's a sense where I mean, so so Bart has his biases going into it. Matter of fact, doesn't you you've you've talked about before his uh, concern about Bruner when? Uh, oh yeah, well that's the natural theology back and right. forth. Like they, you know, they, you know, so they start out united against a kind of vapid. German liberalism that was also nationalistic. Sure, absolutely. Which is, you know, not, I'm not saying that has any application to our times. It, but, has, it has all kinds of application you know, to our times. Well, you said it. I did. Uh, but, you know, Bruner and Bart developed this friendship. Yes. And, 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 and Boltman is involved and people, you know, the friendships fell out in some weird ways, but they were all comrades at some right. point. Compatriots. And, you know, Bart received this letter from Emil Bruner and Bruner is like, 
you know, I, I know we're on the same project, we're just saying, but like you write with such confidence about Christ and faith, and I don't have that kind of confidence. Where does it come from? Bart writes back, I don't have it either. Like I just look to Christ, you know, like and then Bruner sends a follow up letter a couple of years later, like I found it because he was, you know, people in England wanted him uh, to come. It was it was the Moot group or whatever with T.S. Eliot and who was at the uh, Auden was in it and and he so basically they're doing Young Life University stuff, singing hymns right. and reading the Bible and sharing. Bruner's like Carl, I found it. The antidote to my doubt. Bart's like we are not pietists, like, mm. so. You, you also get to where Bart's coming from because he would start his theology classes with Feuerbach to say, if you want to know where liberalism goes, this is where it goes, social psychology. Like basically everything we'd say about God. And Feuerbach liked studying theology because right. he thought it was just our own social psychology writ large. But I would say that, for instance, Tim Keller, who has been one of the most successful preachers in the country, who we the name the name that shall not be mentioned. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Hashem, uh, uh, it, you know, it, it, Keller is the guy, one of the guys that I think integrated a kind of objective Lutheran. Uh, it's not about you; it's about Christ, with a kind of Jonathan Edwards and dare I say Schleiermachian religious affections. And so right. I've heard George Hunsinger say that this is the weakness in Karl Barth that needs to be, and you know, Hunsinger almost never admits to a weakness in Karl Barth unless it's something he could strengthen. So I think that on some level, the objectivism and the anti-pietism, uh, maybe we could supplement or replace a word like pietism with uh, intuitive religious psychology. Well, I, I think also if you're dealing with baptized people who have no sense of the living God, that's a different thing than if you're dealing with people who are on the borders of faith. I, I really do. I mean, I think now, again, let's, let's be honest about Billy Graham Crusades. This is their own numbers. Now, I haven't looked at this for years. But um, I'm fascinated that you even have ever looked at the numbers. No, I've never looked no, at the numbers. I was a young life area director. So we we struggle with the idea of all right, these kids who make commitments at camp or retreats, what happens to them? And our numbers were the same as Billy Graham's numbers. About four. Would you do consulting on this if a church wanted sure, to? Sure, absolutely. Uh, but you, you know, only 4 to 6% of the people who would go forward at a Billy Graham crusade or make a commitment at a Young Life camp, uh, you know, down the road, whether you looked at two years or whatever, were actively participating in a community of faith. Now, I would say that that part of evangelicals' harm to the uh, both the faith and to the American experiment is creating all these pietistic experiences without any kind of commitment to community or any kind of real sense of growing them in the faith. You know, when I was a young life area director, we try. I mean, we took seriously kids who make commitments uh, to try to help them, teach them, you know, you know, grow them in the faith. I was kind of an unusual young life person because I actually was converted into church, believed in the church, really took seriously trying to get people into the church. Not all my colleagues did that. But, um, I mean, I do think there's a sense where, I'm, you know, I won't mention his name, but someone, you know, a theologian you and I both know was converted at a Billy Graham crusade. So there are a sense where people's lives were changed by this thing. And, you know, the other thing is, you know, uh, 
you know, sometimes we're so busy, you know, worrying about, gosh, offending people or worrying about, well, you know, it's about the work of Christ, which I totally believe. It's not about my faith in the work of Christ. It's about Christ's work. You know, you and I are both Catholic in that way. You know, I think it's... Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, but I... We're referencing ourselves. But I also would say... Yeah, I would also say this, that, um, you know, as Paul says in Romans 10, how will they hear if no one... No one asks, or no one, if they have not a preacher. I, there are people who are really longing for someone to have uh, a definitive spiritual conversation with them. And, you know, I, I mean, I've over in the course of my ministry, and I've spent a lot of time living on the border in terms of really trying to talk to people who don't necessarily buy it or people who are still working through the faith. And now you're talking in the bunker, living on the border, the bunk, living on the border, talking, talking in, in the bunker. Bunk. You know what? Wait a minute. I need to go get my. That's a song. Copyright. I need to go write a song. Copyright about that. that. I like it. Uh, I am. I'm actually having lyrics in my head right now from that. That's a great idea. Uh, but you know, I have in the back of my mind. I'm always. I've always thought about. There are people sitting out there who don't know Christ, and I need to sometime in the course of things give them an opportunity to respond. So. I, I think just the fact – now, again, I, I think Billy Graham gives, sometimes would give you a partial gospel. I think you know the four spiritual laws, just a merely substitutionary view of the atonement. There's all kinds of problems with that. Uh, but, we need to do a podcast more than substitution. Like we're not against substitution. There's more to it. There's more to it than yeah. that. Yeah, there's, many, there's many paths up the hill yeah. where the cross is, not just one. But I, I actually think <laughs> – you know. Our official thing, though, we're not down on substitutionary atonement. Right? No, we're, we're, no, yeah, no, I mean yeah. it's, it's it's in the Bible. It's not the it's not the only way to look at it. But you know, I I was doing the consulting with a congregation that doesn't have very many people in it, and this one person kept saying, you know, this one elder kept saying, "We do all this stuff, but no one comes or they don't stay." And I, I go, "So you your main purpose is to get people to come into your building." Uh, maybe you need to go out to where they are. Maybe you actually need to kind of build relationships with them rather than hoping they stumble into your building. And uh, the person looked at me like I was from Mars. But uh, I want to talk to that person because I'm trying to keep people away from the bunker. <laughs> like like it's some well, people in particular. I, you know but, what? There are many churches in America that can give you, and some parachurch organizations, by the way, that can give you a five-point step to totally alienate people and making sure they never come back. Yeah, well, that's sad. Yeah, it is. So we've said a lot. Uh, so our response officially yes. to this dialogue. Well, why don't you give your response and I'll give, I think I've given my response. Well, What's yeah. your response? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, um, again, I, I, I will, uh, this will probably lead to more derision, but I want to hold up somebody like Tim Keller as a guy who self who self-consciously is kind of a missional guy, Luther Law Gospel guy, and also an Edwards Religious Affections guy, which some of this sort of tugging at the heartstring stuff, it's not whether you tug at people's heartstrings, it's how you do it. And so I think uh yeah, I think that that I think there's room in the kingdom. Uh and also <laughs> At the end of the game, and also as we're in the already not yet phase, uh, if I only have 14 clubs in my golf bag, I'd want one of them to be Carl Bart and one of them to be Billy Graham. Yeah. I don't know if I'd head to Billy Graham 
uh, club in my uh, in my bag or not. But uh, uh, you want to hold up Kim Keller? I want to hold up uh, this story that uh, No Paul Stokey one time told, who is was Paul Peter Paul and Mary, uh, and uh, after you know back during the Vietnam War, people would come afterwards uh, to. Um, you know, talk about they would give counseling to how to, you know, avoid the draft or whatever. You know, they were peace activists. And, you know, there was a line of people coming up and he tells – he told the story. I heard it in a concert. This one young guy came up to him and uh, Paul says, well, what, what can I help you with? And he goes, uh, have you ever thought about Jesus Christ? That's pretty good. And uh, that was the beginning of no Paul Stokey becoming a Christian. So – uh you know, I, uh, I actually I think the the stadium kind of revivals, uh, stadium churches, um, those are entertainment for the most part. Uh, Which Thomas Halik concurs I, with you? And, uh, yeah, it Tom, was, it, Tom, it's in uh, Thomas Halik. Thomas Halik and I. What, agree is, on that. what book is that? Is that in Patience with God or Night of the Con- a, No, it's uh, well, it's Night of the Confessor. Night of the Confessor. Yeah. But I also would say that. Um, By the way, we are. This is a pro. We want to say it. We're laying out lots of positions. This is an unabashedly pro Halik podcast. If you don't like Thomas Halik, you know we can still listen. But I'm right. just saying, and if this is yeah. We have you, very few non-negotiables. If you don't that's like, one of them. yeah. If you don't like Augustine, you don't like Kierkegaard, you Billy don't like, Joel, well, the Gospel of John. Well, let's leave Billy Joel out. But um, but I guess I want to lift up the fact that you know <laughs> that we actually care enough about the human race and believe enough of our faith that periodically we actually share it with people who don't know. Yeah. Instead of doing all this kind of, uh, Olymp- you know, these the- theological gymnastics that merges psychotherapy with some sort of misreading of, of Luther just to give our consciences some kind of solve as opposed to he who has been forgiven much will love much. Everybody was Kung Fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with on 